0: You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics.
1: Greetings and welcome to Domecast, the News and Observer Politics Podcast. I'm Don Vaughn here with
2: Colin Campbell, Julian
3: Shenbero, Will Doran.
4: Lucille Sherman.
1: And if you heard a new name addition to Domecast, Julian Shenbero is our politics intern for the summer. Julian, you have already been an intern for a while, but have been on the ground here in Raleigh and seeing the legislature uh, this past week and all of the craziness. Um, So tell listeners a little bit about yourself and what your impressions have been of North Carolina, of the government, of whatever.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a rising senior at Columbia University, and I'm excited to be here. I've been enjoying seeing all the exciting sights of Raleigh, like the legislative building and all of its confusing (laughs) hotel lobby-like areas and and corners and nooks and crannies. So um, it's been an exciting week and it's been a good one to, uh, to be here in person for.
4: How many times have you
0: gotten lost in the legislature? Every okay. time I've been in it. Every, every single day, actually. Every
4: once in a while, I'm like, is Julian lost?
0: <laughs> I think there was one day I walked in and, and people in the press room were like, oh, we were wondering when you would get here. And I was like, yeah, I got lost. And everyone was like, oh, that's what we
1: expected. <laughs> so I gave the tour to Julian like when he first got to the building and like didn't even know like which corner myself of things. And I'm like, you just keep walking and figure it out. So, so were you most impressed by the wood paneling? Or the <laughs> fountains, or the plants that are not indigenous to North Carolina. Or the signy diner. <laughs> oh, did you? Uh, yep. Yeah, did we go in the in the signy diner?
0: I don't. I don't think so. It's
1: like the snack room, basically, which Got I think it. Colin told us once used to be the telephone booth. Yeah, they used to have
2: telephone booths in there up until like a year ago, and then they took out the telephone booths because no one was using them and uh, put it in a convenience store.
1: What did what
2: did they use them for? Well, it was back, like back in the day. If you didn't have cell phones and you were a lobbyist or a journalist or something, you'd go in there to like call your editor, or call your boss, and be like, "Hey, I'm lobbying the big bill. I got Senator whoever to one board with it." The, uh, and they needed privacy for that, so they had the phone booth set up. All
1: right, I feel like I need to see like some sort of photo of this in use. So, any of our domecast listeners. If you have a photo of people using the phone booth or the telephone room or whatever... I'll have to look for it. I took it pictures us. of
2: it right before they no, did No, I now. want it
1: in use. Oh, yeah. I, p- I want people wearing hats and smoking. <laughs> you know, like this yeah. is like my view of it, <laughs> Or whatever era. So we are recording this on Friday, the day after... Not the day after, the day of the when the short session ended or did it. But basically and the last was like several hours of just craziness so who wants to go first on our on our wild journey of all things state government. Lucille, you had like some surprises in understanding like the PCS versus the other CSs versus committee or conference reports.
4: Yeah, so I was along for the the crazy ride, the session and learning about PCSs, which are proposed committee substitutes and CSs. And then in a crazy turn of events, I learned about conference reports last night. Um, so PCSs, to a lot of our listeners who already know. Um, but I don't think um, anyone's
1: listening to Doomcast who doesn't, doesn't <laughs> know. Well, we can explain it. Maybe. Yeah,
4: PCSs are basically like a gut in a minute, right. or a gut and replace. And okay. Sometimes they're
2: not. Sometimes they just like, sometimes, make some tweaks. But this time of, session, yeah, this time of the session, it's usually they basically will use that as a tool to Take a military move through part of the process and stick in something new so it can be sped along
1: i like to call them surprises yeah because you go to committee and then you think they're talking about something and then they say pcs and then you get a surprise
4: my least favorite (laughs) thing is that they do not put the pcs's especially if they're completely new pcs's about something else on the website so you go to committee and you're shocked by whatever you see and then they don't upload the actual bill yeah. language till like the next day so you're just reporting off of this piece of paper so yeah, if they, you get
2: the piece of paper i had to try to go dumpster diving through a recycling bin the other day and i did not succeed in finding the amendment i was looking for
1: so sometimes you get it if you have like so there's the agenda if you're actually following the bill it's not on there but if you go to the meeting with all like the folders and then that day sometimes in the middle of the meeting in they'll they'll post like documents and then that'll have it but they won't be the titles of anything that you understand but there'll be like a number in there yeah one code
2: like i mean the abb 4x 503 oh yeah that's exactly what i was looking for
4: so Mm -hmm. it doesn't sound like uh it's like like they don't want us to know yeah it doesn't sound like they win any transparency awards No, Um, no awards Anyway, so also there was a PCS for the Regulatory Reform Bill, which instead of running 10 different amendments on the Regulatory Reform Bill, they just PCS'd it and put all the amendments like neatly in there.
2: I think that came into a conference report so they couldn't do amendments, uh, so you okay. wouldn't have a long drawn-out debate. This is the
4: perfect segue. Yes. So the Reg Reform Bill, which went through 1,000 different changes and was eventually pcs ended up in a conference report, I think in the House... And the house first last night.
2: Yeah, it came out in both because it, was, it had been sitting on the house calendar for like four days, and they just didn't want to touch it, so it kept getting pushed back day after day. And you were watching for it day after day. Lucille
1: was like, "It's reg reform. I'll follow that." And then they kept moving it. Every day. I re- they moved it. Every day. Literally it's every day. because they were just trying to mess
4: with you. Right? They knew that I was for Like, Lucille really
1: wants to write about reg reform today. And they're like, no, I'm sorry. There's I mean, no reg reform for you.
4: Well, also, Jordan, my our editor, would not let me write about reg reform either. He was like, it's we don't need to write about that, Lucille. Yeah. Well, fortunately, you had
2: a day or two when you were on Insider Detail and you got to write about reg reform for us. But. I, did, I did.
4: Like, I'm
1: not giving up. I mean, reg reform is pretty comprehensive. And it makes, you know, regulation is watching. important. Mm-hmm.
4: I was watching for one tiny thread that would make it worth writing about. Anyway, I digress. Um, so the conference report I learned is the floor version of a PCS, but it doesn't have to go through committee. Mm-hmm. So they take bills that were in conference earlier in the year. So they send a bunch of bills to a conference committee, right? Mm-hmm. Is it called a committee?
2: Yeah. So it's when the House and the Senate don't agree on something and they need to have negotiators from both chambers to figure out the differences but in the end of the session it works in a completely different way so
4: it's basically li- a little skeleton that can be a wild card for them to sub anything out in, at the last well, they minute. throw all of it in there like that yeah oh my gosh was it
1: 212 the final one that had the freedom park money
4: they f- they scramble a bunch of bills at the end and take pieces from a bunch of different bills and put it in one so property. you don't have
1: enough time to see it and like especially if you're not the majority party you don't know what's going on because during one of the at eases i was talking to some house democrats and was like oh hey like you know because you, freedom park's in here and they're like what and i'm like oh yeah that's what, you know it's coming it's what i hear can't you
4: can't amend conference reports either right
2: yeah and when they come to the floor particularly at the end of the session they can be voted really fast so you know, they're reading in a bill at like two in the morning last night. And I'm like, oh, what is this? Oh, we're going to debate reopening amusement parks and um bowling alleys again. And because, skating rinks. Yeah. Ranks. And sure enough, two Arcades. minutes later, that's what they were doing. No,
1: we had to take a big, there's displacement for a while because they had to explain what games and gaming and video yeah. games versus... Chuck E.
2: Cheese versus Arcade gambling games. was a big debate,
1: I think. Well, the funniest thing is like this whole, these past few weeks where any lawmaker who has, like, a kid that's, like, kid age, was like, oh, well, I've been to bowling alley, or skate, not bowling alleys as much, but I've been to skating rinks, I've been to arcades, and you know these. And I'm like, yeah, I know that party circuit, too. <laughs> you know, I know what you're talking about. And I'm like, well, that's not, it was, Representative Bell said once, he's like, oh, kids bring their own roller skates to the skating rink. And I'm thinking, I've been to a bunch of skating rinks and kids don't bring them. It depends on the, the kids' the skating rinks. Fact check. I know.
2: last thing. If you have your own, but if you're like us, your kids are going to be probably renting their skates.
1: Well, it probably just <laughs> depends on, like, how big it is in your particular town. Yeah. Or, you know, track and stuff. That sounds you. like
4: a fact check to me. But the
1: arcade thing, and, like, I don't remember, was it Torbit? It was somebody who was saying that if you have kids or grandkids and if you know exactly what these are. And it's true, because, like, Chuck E. Cheese now has turned into, just like all arcade games, the big, like, Monkey Joe's Bounce House places have, like, more arcade games and other stuff, and it's been a whole segue and... Um, I kids add, stuff.
4: in addition to not knowing what conference reports were until last night, I did not know Chuck E. Cheese was still around until last night. Oh, yeah. When it was referenced many a times.
2: As were Little Johnny and Little Susie and how much they wanted to go to the playground. That was, there was a whole speech about that last night, We did day, not
1: too. hear that. <laughs> or, <laughs> no, there's the pool liability, so I'm not sure about how, like, you know, making... Like my HOA not responsible if we get coronavirus from going to the pool somehow makes my child happier that we went to the pool, but... I've explained liability to hems and he mitigated risk so yeah,
2: you know, yeah course your course poor son yeah. it's what happens when your father's in the insurance business
1: well their no, mom's Porter. insurance yeah, yeah. You know, oh my god poor you assess kid. your own risk and you you know have safety measures you you know put your seatbelt on you wear a mask because you care about public he's health 12. he's 12 everyone so
3: <laughs> but Don I thought you uh, hit on something very true which was that like, you know, as especially as we got past midnight last night, uh, a lot of people just really didn't quite know what exactly they were voting on at any given time um, or even what was going on. I mean, there were so many, you know, 30 minute breaks here, hour long breaks there that were just kind of unexplained where, you know, the leadership would just pause and the important people would leave the room and then, you know, everyone else was just kind of sitting around and, you know, either just kind of like staring off into space or just like, you know, chit-chatting with like their seatmates. And mm-hmm. there was just a whole lot of just, you know, hurry up and wait. And then, you know, when something did happen, it was, it was happening really fast. You know, I, I, I was sitting in the Senate um, and they brought, you know, one bill back uh, from the, that the House had passed and that it had gone to the Senate and uh, uh, Natasha Marcus, who's a Democrat from uh, the Charlotte area, you know, had to kind of, like, ask for a moment. She's like, I don't even know what's in this bill. You know, like, what are we even doing? And then uh, Warren Daniel, who's a Republican from Morganton, you know, basically told her, well, we don't like the House version, so we're going to kill it anyway. So, like, uh, we we can pause if you want to read it, but, like, it's not going to pass. Yeah. So <laughs> You like, know, and she's she like, say? she's like, okay, and then I think it passed. It, it failed. It, like, I think the final vote was like 1 to 45 or something like that. And Marcus had the one yes vote on it just because you know it's funny during those <laughs> breaks that
2: the, the action is actually outside the chambers because so much of what happens at the end of session is negotiations between the house and senate the democrats become almost irrelevant at this point yeah they're um, just all
3: sitting around and like well we have no idea what's happening yeah know, but we don't know the, what's in this bill there's and, this sort of
2: shuttle diplomacy that goes on between the offices of Berger and Moore. so if you stand in the hallway between the two you'll see all of their top staffers, their chiefs of staff going back and forth. And you can kind of tell how well things are going based on how much each of those people is scowling as they walk past you, Um, because they've got to figure out all the horse trading in this. They've got to decide what's going to go in the conference reports, what's going to be taken out, like the uh, mask thing that got taken out of one at the the last minute of extending the uh, exemption that says you you can wear masks in public for public health reasons. Um, All of that is being negotiated between the chambers. they're using bills as bargaining chips. So the House wants one bill to pass. I think uh, Representative David Lewis told me this healthy NC bill that had some various health care provisions in it that showed up at the last minute was something the House really wanted had been kicking around for months. So that was something they agreed to in exchange for something else the, the Senate wanted. Um, and so that ends up being a lot of the rhyme or reason wh- behind why some stuff passes, some stuff does, doesn't. And the stuff that passes Magically appears at 1.45 a.m. And no one really knows except the people who were,
3: you know, doing the the behind-the-scenes horse trading the hour before. Yeah, it's attached to some bill whose title has absolutely nothing to do with, you know, what it actually does. Oh,
1: yeah. (laughs) Senator Jeff Jackson, the Democrat from Charlotte, was telling us about how these bills that were ones that, um, you know, that that he filed and then, like, were gutted and then became something completely different. (laughs) Oh,
4: now... This is a good time to note that uh, Representative Bill Richardson stood up pretty early on in the night. I have truly no idea when, um, but got up to bring up one of the House rules and wanted, he started talking about how he doesn't feel like PCSs and conference reports should be allowed because a bill that had his name on it in the end had nothing to do with the bill that he originally introduced and he put so much work into it. We talked about this for like fifteen minutes. Okay, maybe that's. Yeah. Did anyone respond minutes. though?
1: What did they say?
4: Um, Moore got really excited to have a conversation about rules. He was like, "I love having conversations about rules," and they kind of went back and forth. And Moore was like, "I understand, but the problem with changing that, changing the rule, that he was talking about, would be that." the Senate would have to adopt it too. So to like nix the concept of like PCSs or conference reports and not allow something like that to happen without it going through committee is that the Senate would have to adopt that too. So the House couldn't just adopt a new rule or change the rule and play by their own like conservative rules if the House or
1: if the Senate wasn't going to So are you saying there needs to be further discussion, further debate? Further discussion, further debate. I just want to make
2: sure. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the challenge because when these PCs is going, essentially, they're taking a house bill, bring it to the Senate, and the Senate says, "Okay, cool, things in this house bill, we're going to delete all of it, and we're going to put in our own things." But then, with the way the process works, the original bill sponsors' names are on it. So uh, Danielle Metaglia, for a story in the Insider this week, talked to Senator Jeff Jackson, who's apparently upset because um, they keep taking his bills that were on. Things that you know. That was had, this conversation you know, that brought, I was just yeah, about. Brought yeah, support, and uh, they put in something super controversial. So now he's getting all this hate mail and calls from his constituents saying, "Like Jeff, what's up, man? This is like some Republican proposal. Why is your name on it?" Yeah,
1: that's true. We were sitting in the Senate when he came over and told us that. I think it's important also for people to know that um, just because you're a particular party or even controlling both chambers doesn't mean that you agree. From when like, I covered Durham politics, they're all blue, but it doesn't mean they get along at all about anything. And yeah. You know, the Republican caucus, like, I, I think maybe the, by chamber there, you know, people do what, like, Berger and Brown want to do, and I'm sure it's a little more raucous in the House, you know, but Moore and Berger are very different people, and they very different styles, and I think, like, there's a lot of that, and, like, wasn't that a budget argument? Like, a couple of years ago, it was just between... The House and Senate, I think. I mean, not yeah, even any sort see, of governor, you know, legislature standoff.
2: Yeah, and even things with, like, how to finance, like, big, you know, construction projects for roads and schools and stuff. The House keeps, House Speaker Tim Moore, and he did it this session, keeps pushing a big $3 billion uh, bond referendum plan. And it's something that I think Democrats are behind with more, including the governor, uh, but that Senate leader Phil Berger really fundamentally believes that we shouldn't be borrowing that kind of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every time he kills it um, and they, you know, go with a different approach. So it's almost, you know, sometimes you'll see, it makes sense, It makes almost no sense to an outside observer. Like you have this one faction of the Republican party that agrees with Dems and then this other faction that's like, disagreeing with their own party and that's pretty much the legislature in a nutshell.
1: Well there's a whole different thing, like with Medicaid expansion last year, and Representative Donnie Lambeth, who, you know, is a Republican and has worked in healthcare and under you know has a different point of view and says, like, you know, we can do this but have work requirement, which is just kills it for Democrats never want that. You know? And so he's kind of floating out there and like so the people will listen to him but they don't want to vote. And I think the House Republicans are like more they seem like they're more willing to find some version of compromise there where the Senate Republicans just weren't. And that's something that really came up just sort of peripherally, I think, with the Medicaid transformation discussions. And um, Julian, with the committees that you've seen and the floor sessions, what, I guess, what do you think of some of this, like the, you know, the PCSs, just the way that they interact with each other? Like, what are, what have your impressions been?
0: You know, I think it's been something that's pretty complicated to get a sense of um, even as someone who's covered politics before and in, in other capacities. And so I can imagine it, it can be a really difficult thing to follow for, especially, you know, uh, non reporters for people who are just out there kind of trying to keep track of what's going on in politics for them. And uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it can get crazy, as we saw last night.
1: I think our editor, Jordan Trader, will, you know, when he's editing our stuff, he'll be like, this is way too wonky and like. <laughs> You don't need to, like, I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I can't use the acronym in this. And it's, like, just say a committee, not, like, the, you know. Yeah. Because, yeah, because, I mean, people like, just, like, not even... That's why I couldn't write about reg- regulatory reform. You can if you write about it in a way that shows what the impact is on people, right? <laughs> yeah, I can't do a breakdown of the crisis, I've learned how to like figure out like if you want to write about something, like you can make it relevant and work, work that pitch out. So Yeah.
4: I think what you're saying about sort of the different factions, especially of Republicans in the House and Senate, makes sense why last night was such a long night because bills were ping-ponging back and forth. Yeah. And it would a bill would pass unanimously or almost unanimously in the House and go to the Senate and get stuck or get changed and we would see it back on the floor. Mm-hmm. People were changing their votes <laughs> all night, um, so it really wasn't you know as straightforward on party lines as I think you know, probably a lot of people think it is, especially this late in the session.
1: I thought it demonstrated, too, like how much the chambers have to deal with each other. Because, you know, when we talked to Berger the past week, he's like, yeah, we're done Thursday. Like, you know, and and more is like, oh, this week, yeah, be nice. But like next week or sometimes he wants to be done first and realizing that like when that actually comes down to it. And you guys have to sort this out, you know, and everybody is just done.
2: Yeah. Yeah. One of the big disagreements yesterday was adjournment resolution like when to leave when to come back because Berger had told us earlier in the week he wanted a sine die resolution which means they're done and they can have a special session later if they need to but all the stuff that's pending just gets you know knocked out essentially um, and the house was I think more interested in coming back later and having some time to do Coronavirus legislation, which is what they think they're going to be doing in um, September with some potentially more federal money.
1: And now they're definitely coming back September 2nd. Yeah. And so, yeah, when I,
2: when I asked Berger what had changed, he just kind of laughed at me like, well, you know, the House wanted what it wanted. and. Um...
1: But we knew they were coming back by September anyway. They would have to because, as all our listeners know, you don't have to pay your taxes until July 15th. So that actually messes with the state because they use that money and they need to find out like how... Much less money is coming in, really, and yeah. and the flexibility from the federal government, which is taking their time to decide how North Carolina can spend the rest of the um, COVID money.
4: It's also worth noting that as the night wrapped up, there were three more bills that the Senate had sent to the House, I, at least three, um, and the House just they just didn't take them up. So three bills were just left hanging with the possibility that I guess they could take them up next week. And those were these
2: reopening ones, right? Some of them were.
4: Two were reopening, I think. Did the bars one just go nowhere after
3: the Senate? I think so. That was one of the very last ones the Senate did.
2: It was, it was it. hard to
3: track. I mean, there was just such a flurry. I think there were, what, maybe four or five different reopening kind of, or reopening adjacent bills. That yeah, got so they, basically what
2: they did, for those who were not trying to sort this out at two in the morning, They had taken Cooper's objections to the previous reopening bills that he's vetoed, which were essentially, uh, I mean, I think he sort of objected to a lot of it for public health reasons, but one of the things that the Republicans zeroed in on was he was upset that you know, if there's a future spike in the coronavirus uh, and he needed to shut some businesses back down, he would have to get a majority vote of the Council of State, which has a Republican majority, so that could become a partisan fight. Uh, That was that was
1: a lot of the argument. I mean, I felt like it was much more heated. And Representative Kidwell saying, "I'm not going to wear a mask. I don't care what the governor says." You know, and I feel like a lot of it was an airing of grievances of Cooper's coronavirus handling. But we could probably do another domecast. Maybe that's our domecast next week. Is like the response and arguing between the different handlings of that. Yeah. I'd say and so what they, they did last vote. night was
2: they essentially took that provision out, but then ran a bunch of different bills for different uh, businesses from, you know, skating rinks to bars to um, fitness centers and gyms um, mm-hmm. and did them all as separate bills. Um, and at least in the Senate where I was watching, that didn't seem to move the needle as far as the democratic support. They still mostly voted against it on public health grounds. But I almost wonder you know, depending on how long phase two goes, now it's going at least through mid-July. Um, if they come back towards mid-July, maybe they're hoping some of the political calculus changes for the Dems, and then they can get some of these bills that they did not end up voting on in the House last night, Uh, to have a little bit bigger support and put more pressure on the governor or just bring this up as a topic again to put more pressure on the governor and generate some more headlines uh, ahead of campaign season.
4: Yeah, I think the three bills were one um, amusement parks, arcades and playgrounds, which the House started changing their votes on when they realized there was a possibility that it could include gaming right, somehow. Right. Yeah. And I think the Senate cleaned it up and voted on it and sent it back, and the House just didn't take it up. Yeah, and I thought the House cleaned it
1: up. And then, remember, it was the jokes about um, a disturbance in the force and balance in the force. That yeah, so imported. I think what happened with
2: that one, because I was following that bill from where it emerged as a crazy PCS at 4 p.m. to some bill that looked super boring, um, was that the it ended up going kick to, to a conference committee because they wanted to change the wording so that no one would be worried that suddenly it would pave the way for like sweepstakes gambling machines or something of that nature. Um, but it never made it out of the conference committee before they were done. So um, we could see that again. I mean, they're they're going to come back to deal with veto overrides in a week or two, um, and they've sort of left so it open. We don't know in. if they're actually
1: coming back to do anything. Like they
2: said that. they said they would potentially. They would right, notice today. Yeah. Know, right. um, and when I talked to Berger, he was saying, you know, they. They might tackle other things, including the mask thing, um, which to me makes it feel sort of open-ended that if they've got something they want to do on July 7th or 8th, then they're probably going to do it in a fairly quick session. Yeah,
3: Thursday night, Friday morning was billed as, you know, the last day until September, but I think a lot of us have the feeling that that's actually not really going to end up being the case and that yeah, we are going to so my July. birthday is
2: July 9th, and my theory is they're going to ruin my birthday, so... Uh, we'll see if that pans out I think I think the
1: best thing to like the assessment of all of this is like you believe it when you see it right yeah. including the PCS so. yeah um, well I guess we'll be back with Headliner of the Week alright and we're back with Headliner of the Week and last year's winner last, uh, last year it felt like a year ago I realized on a previous Domecast so I was listening to once I say year instead of week because what is time um, Colin won with the Jell-O Shots legislation, um, a bill that came up last week. So since Colin won last week um, and our Twitter poll allows for four spots, he sits out this week.
2: I'll be over here doing Jello Shots.
1: All right. So um, I'll go first in mine, and we didn't talk about it earlier, of the surprises of the crazy session was the resignation on the floor of Senator Jerry Tillman, who is a 78-year-old lawmaker, represents Guilford and Randolph, and he is best known as far as if you spend a lot of hours sitting in the Senate as the one who talks a lot at the end, and often about country music and, who know, everything, you know, and that he and Mike Woodard, so Tillman is a Republican, and he and Mike Woodard, who's a Durham Democrat, are um, good buddies, and so Tillman gets up at the end, and, uh, you know, a session before recess or Eddie's or something, and starts talking about how much he loves the Senate. And I was like, oh, that's just Tillman talking about how much he loves the Senate. It's just a random thing. And all of a sudden, we realize he's saying that he's leaving the Senate. And we're like, wait, what? Because he filed a run for, you know, re-election. And so, you know, I have a story. And we, you know, reporters interviewed him after about why and everything. But the fun part is that we had a video in our archives of Tillman and we're singing a song together. And that is in the story about Tillman. So my headliner of the week is Senator Tillman.
3: They're singing uh, Poncho and Lefty, weren't they? Or was that oh, They was were it? singing, Long Black yeah. Mail Long Black but, Mail? yeah, that
1: okay. was their nicknames. And I actually like <laughs> texted Woodard later to, to confirm. I was like, wait, I just wanted to make sure like, he was Poncho and you were Lefty. Which would make sense since we're the Democrat vote. You never know. So I was like, can you confirm this, please?
4: Um, I also want to read Travis Fain of WRAL's tweet, which was uh, at, let's see oh no it was before midnight but he said Senator Jerry Tillman who literally announced his retirement today and then just left was on to something as in like we were going so late and he just like announced his retirement and then left and didn't
1: participate old
2: JT is going to get open out of here and I said,
1: putting the JT on getting because we were asking him like <laughs> when are you so you know, <laughs> you know reporters know about waiting for the gaggle and like he's taking pictures with everybody and of course I got a picture of him with water getting their picture taken and then he's like, yeah, I'm good. And we're like, well, when, when are you leaving? And he's like, I'm going to walk right out that door. <laughs> Basically, after I'm done talking to you fools, you know, and then I'm out. He's like, they're going to anyway. And we're like, okay. So, <laughs> that, so was that was crazy. one of the surprises. So tell me. All right, Julian, who's your headliner of the week? My headliner of the week home?
0: is a bill that passed in the House and the Senate this week um, and is now up to Cooper, whether he wants to sign it into law that is authorizing and regulating personal delivery robots. So in a few years, we might start seeing robots roaming around the streets, delivering food, delivering packages, medical supplies, really anything. And uh, everybody was pretty enthusiastic about this. It passed nearly unanimously. I think there's one vote against it in the House. Uh, but few people, I think, were as enthusiastic as Senator Jim Perry, a Houston Republican, uh, one of the sponsors of the bill who, you know, in, in kind of moments before we were speaking over the phone about the bill, sent me this video he made to educate his fellow lawmakers about what this bill could bring to North Carolina. And it was this super enthusiastic music kind of taking us through the history and evolution of various kinds of technology. We started with some kind of sepia photos and got up to the modern day before start, starting to talk about delivery robots themselves. So kind of a a fun piece of legislation, potentially, uh, and we might start seeing robots around. Just to stop Most them from bills, becoming battle robots. <laughs> Most filters don't really come with videos. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yes. Or robots. Photos. Or robots. Yeah. I don't know, a montage of industrialization? That sounds like something I would
0: like. And, uh, and I'm, I'm from the Bay Area, which is where we had kind of a pilot program of this a few years ago. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, called Kiwi Robots, mm-hmm. or Kiwi Bots, which uh, are these food delivery robots that are everywhere in, in my hometown, now at Berkeley. And... You know, I was away at college when they kind of started up, but it became like a very big cultural thing to just post pictures of Kiwi bots and like kids would go around and kind of trap them in places. And the company behind them had to hire people to go save the Kiwi bots and they would like their job was just to find them and put them back on the street. They're powered by AI and they go and find people. So, <laughs> so these are things that are starting to crop up around the country, and, and we might start seeing it.
1: Here. I'm a little alarmed. <laughs> Me too. I did not know about that. But it's like the whole scooter thing. So we had a whole big, like, there were scooters everywhere. What was that last summer in Raleigh before they, like, the city got rid of most of them essentially?
3: Yeah. The great scooter crackdown in yeah, well, 2019. They would have
1: people that just would go round them up and everything. So, huh. Well, that'll be interesting. We'll see how yeah. that's going to look. All right, well.
3: Uh, my headliner is going to be, uh, late night ramblings. Uh, that's probably the most Wait, I had fun Tillman. Um, just <laughs> kidding, just kidding. <laughs> but as you pointed out, Tillman was smart enough to get out of there before
1: He got had night. an early afternoon <laughs> rambling. Yeah. Yeah.
3: But, uh, you know, tempers can sort of, you know, wear thin at times, especially when they're there till two or three in the morning. But also it's just, you know everyone's kind of loopy a little bit and especially you know once it hits 132 and it it was just really funny you know seeing uh you know all these lawmakers who have you know such like important formal positions you know just whip out their phone and start playing music Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you know like you know that thing that you like do with your friends like oh let me play you this song oh let me play you that song Mm -hmm. like do you know this song or like you know just talking to them about you know Silly things going on in their lives. I, I talked to two different senators, uh, Mike Woodard and Muhammad, uh, Muhammad uh, who it was their wedding anniversary. And, uh, you know, about how they were, you know, maybe going to get in trouble for uh, being at legislature until three o'clock in the morning on their <laughs> It
1: on their was my husband's birthday. And I was like, people understand work is work sometimes, yeah. I guess, right?
3: I told them, well, at least you have each other, because they're sitting next to each other. <laughs> <laughs> they did not appreciate that. They assured <laughs> me they were still going to get in trouble. <laughs> uh, you know, talked to Republican Senator Ralph Heiss for a while about the architecture of the building. Uh, you Ooh. Know, uh, Julian was talking about that earlier, the uh, the very 60s architecture of the place. Well, as I
1: was telling Julian on the tour, it's the same architect as the Kennedy Center. And then did you make the yeah, joke, yeah. Lucille, that it was like the test model or something <laughs> like Well, apparently
3: one of the reasons why we all get lost in that building is, you know, because it just has insane amounts of corners and weird little Mm -hmm. nooks and crannies everywhere. Apparently, that was all the rage in the 60s, according to Senator Heiss. Corners? Because of, like, radiation concerns, I guess, because everyone was scared of, like, r- you know, the Ruskies nuking us in this in the Cold War. So they, like, built a bunch of, like, corners and stuff And Radiation buildings.
1: could get through that corner. Well, you know, science
3: wasn't really what it is now.
1: Uh, I asked Dan Forrest, as you all know, is lieutenant governor running for governor because he's an architect, about the building once, and he said... You know you have to understand the time period <laughs> i thought that was a very generous way of talking about it. <laughs> um, I, I think we, let's do a future cast just about the building just about architecture <laughs> i won't be listening to that so <laughs> yeah so you know that's that
3: that's one of the fun parts of these late night sessions is you just have like all these random conversations that you would never have with people about you know completely random stuff whether it's you know uh you know their anniversaries or architecture or you know their favorite blues musicians or you know whatever whatever comes out when they're just sitting around waiting for something to happen
4: um so my headliner of the week is going to be a sneaky public records provision that appeared in senate bill 168 might be 186 um that um would limit would basically shield um, records that are involved in death investigations. Um, Some of those records would be shielded from public record, or some that aren't already private record um, would become private record. And I guess this provision has been in this bill or in a version of this bill for years. And I tweeted about it last night, and it sort of blew up um, on Twitter. I think, especially sort of in the wake of George Floyd protests and calls for um, law enforcement transparency. Um, so, it'll be really interesting to see that bill passed the House and the Senate swiftly. It moved on to the governor's desk. Um, I'm sure it will be signed because it has a ton of other funding for DHHS and other DHHS technical pr- provisions sort of roped in there that are really important. Um, so, it'll be interesting to see, you know, sort of how public ra- records advocates react and handle this going forward all
1: right we could have like a public records like episode okay of we'll do that too and architecture of the legislature. <laughs> we have now
2: planned out all of our podcasts for the weeks the legislature is gone and we'll have fewer things to talk about in theory
1: all right so <laughs> y'all just have to listen next time and find out so i'm Don vaughn for colin campbell julian chenvera Will doran and lucille sherman you'll so listen to us next time